welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time, welcome. If you are a part of the community here, welcome back. I am so excited to have each and every one of you tune in. If you missed out on last week's episode, we talked all about home buying. Arisha literally walked us through the process and she even took the time out to answer some listener questions. So if you are planning to buy a home, whether it be this year or next year or any year after that, you definitely want to tune in to that episode and take you some notes. She definitely gave us a lot of great tips. If you have been listening and you haven't taken out the time to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts, please pause this and take a moment to do so. January 17th marks one year since I have been podcasting and I'm super excited about it. I did not think that I would be here. I'm still podcasting and chatting with you guys. So if this podcast has impacted you in any way, Go over to speakpipe.com backslash single black motherhood and leave me a voicemail. I am going to be working on an anniversary episode where I feature listener reviews. Okay, so again, that's speakpipe.com S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com backslash single black motherhood. I would greatly appreciate that. That would allow other listeners who are new to the podcast see how beneficial it is for their life. This Sunday, I will be celebrating the one year anniversary for the podcast over brunch with some other single moms that are local here in Houston. And I'm super excited about that. This week, we are talking all about getting involved in your child's education. So many times I hear parents complain about helping kids with their homework or saying that they don't have enough time to go to the school, um, attend the conferences, go on field trips and um, things like that. So I got to chat with Yvette, who has been an educator for 20 years and she has a wealth of knowledge. So she's going to be sharing some tips with us today on how we can get involved. If you are already involved, I still want to encourage you to stay tuned because you never know what you can learn. Like I always tell people that I don't know everything and I learn new things every day. And even though I think I may know a lot about a certain topic, there's always something to be learned. Okay. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Yvette. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on to chat. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you take a moment to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I am Yvette, mother of three, single mom, former military spouse, and I'm also an educator of uh, almost 20 years in the middle school um, level. So I am raising three teenagers, and I'm also an author of the Single Parent Guide book as well as some educational books for teachers, for teacher development. 
and also a woman empowerment book. So um, I'm out here raising these teenagers and also helping in, um, in the communities as much as I can. That is so awesome. So you've been an educator, you said, for 10 years, right? 20. 20. Okay. Sorry. I totally missed that. 20 years. Wow. Oh my it's God. Okay. You don't even look like you could have been. Oh my gosh. Yes, ma'am. Now I want to ask you your age, but I'll ask you off the mic. I'm like, oh my God. It's okay. It's okay. You can. But you do have um, teenagers, so I guess that could make sense. Jeez. Like, I do feel like black women age so oh, yeah. Like, I would have never known how to say that. Yeah. You know what? I hear it a lot. And I um I hear it even at work, but I, I just take it as a blessing. But I've I've been doing this for twenty years. This will be my twentieth year, and I enjoy every. Month. I wake up every morning super excited about going to work. I oh, love that's it. So exciting! So when you say yes. educator, because I know some teachers call mm-hmm. themselves educators. Is is there like a difference between like just being a teacher and an educator, or like how does that look? Like, can you tell me? Or like, yeah. I don't know, break it yeah. down because sometimes I'm a yeah. little confused. I, I hear people say like, I'm an educator or I'm a teacher. And so I just wonder right. where does the difference lie? Yeah. And so that is actually a good question because I, to me, and um, some people get offended. I'm not about titles. So um, I will always be a teacher, no matter what, like that I'm a teacher at heart. Um, however, I am one that's transitioned to principalship. So um, where I am in administration role, completing my principalship intern, so I am in the role of a principal. So where, as some people just like, you know, I'm an educator, or they'll say the term administrator, um, but I say educator because, again, I, I focus on teacher development as another platform that I have. So, you know, just to cover all, <laughs> I just say that I'm an educator. But okay, yes, that's pretty I taught cool. In middle school. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love every day of it. I think you mentioned something about you You have another part of your platform where you help teachers develop. Yes. So I also have a platform. Teacher Coach Series is a platform where it is actually designed for professional development for teachers. And so where I coach and guide teachers through the creation of personalized and rig, uh, re- relevant and rigor learning environments in their classrooms. So I've created different programs and curriculums for teachers to be the best at what they do. And so I call it a, um, a, a platform, but in essence, it's a safe place for teachers to learn. And so um, my focus is just making sure that we're at a place that we can be the best that we can be as educators because it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Um, some figure yeah. it out early and some people, you know, they figure it out later, but I just hope to be that bridge to help them get to that place. And um, you know, just empowering them and equipping them and educating them at the same time. Because, you know, even though we're teachers, um, we're also lifelong learners. Right. And I think that they have one of the toughest jobs because they have to manage <laughs> so many little people. And well, not even little people, because sometimes, you know, you get into like middle school and high school and even that could be very challenging. Um, <laughs> and then what I've found is that a lot of teachers today um I don't know like where you live but here like some are just there for the money because they need a job and they couldn't find one in their field and so they just you know go to teaching and I'm like Mm -hmm. I feel that it's important that the teacher has a passion for teaching otherwise I don't know that they are effective 
I mean, right. yeah, they, they can't be. They learn, but like, are they really being an effective teacher? And so I guess mm-hmm. maybe that could go into like the interview process or the school having a shortage of teachers and like so many different mm-hmm. things. But anyways, yeah. I just thought that and so I wanted to say it but anyways no you're right I, I you know when you think about that and you think of, I mean when we think about education and then we think about the teachers that we come in contact with and whatever relationships that we have with them whether that's from being a parent from having a child in that classroom or we're you know interacting with them and we find out just through casual conversation oh you're a teacher uh, we hear the heart of them and the one thing we must always remember is you know they people just like everybody else. And right. when you listen to the heart of a person, you know exactly their intention. And it's unfortunate that, you know, people are in a place where they say, well, you know, whatever job, you know, I can get, I'll get. And, oh, it's easy. I'll just go here and babysit some kids. I'll just do what they ask me to do. Mm-hmm. And they'll find out, they'll find out quickly. <laughs> they'll find out either they really do have a love and a passion for it, or they'll find out quickly, this ain't for me, and they'll have to leave. Um, and, and what happened is they'll become so uncomfortable and they'll become so frustrated that whatever is within you is what comes out. And so that's when you have that, 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 um, discord in a classroom between a teacher and a child, because they're so unhappy and trauma just doesn't just happen with the students. When we're trying to teach the kids, you know, of course, you know, of course we have to reach that child first in order to teach anything. You know, we got a lot of adults that deal with trauma that hasn't <laughs> been healed, so that's, yes. what, that's what you see when when you see those different um, situations that's really toxic, you know, and uh, it's unfortunate. Um, but I think me having, you know, the platform that I have, and I get to see both sides of it, being a parent and also coming in contact with so many educators, um, I'm able to have those real conversations, you know, with love and say, well, you know, do you really want to, you know, is this where your heart is? You know, let's have some heart checks. <laughs> and, um, and, and you're able to guide that person to find out what their passion is. And um, so uh, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but I'm, I don't sugarcoat it. And when it comes to that, these babies, this, this is, they need us. And if you're right. in the wrong field, you Especially cannot damage. You can, mm-hmm, yeah. You cannot damage these babies because you're damaging them. We're just repeating the cycle and we, we're going to ask you to leave quietly. Please. And thank you. Yeah. yeah. So. All so, right. Yeah. Well. I wanted to talk a little bit today about becoming involved in the children's education because I think a lot of single moms struggle with this and this Mm -hmm. topic was actually suggested um, from one of the moms in single mom chat and if you're listening and you're not familiar with single mom chat it's just a time where we come together every Thursday night Um, on Instagram live and just talk about what's happening in our lives. And then it it allows the moms to ask questions and just talk about different things. And so this particular mom, she was, um, was saying that she was struggling, you know, with being involved. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh wow. You know, I have to um, do a topic uh, on this in the podcast. And I just want to say thank you again for agreeing to to do this with me but um, I want to ask you why is it important or why do you feel that it's important for the parent to be involved in their child's education first off yeah um well first you're the parent um and the thing is when when a child begins their educational career 
And you may have never even heard that term, but I actually use it a lot. We think about education as just the pathway that we go through to get to our career, but they have an educational career that, that starts, you know, as early as you sign them up for either pre-K, daycare, or, you know, whatever year you decide to start their education. Um, and we're the advocate, and not just in the education, you know, side, but, but if your child gets sick, you're going to take them to the doctor. You know, you're, you're the advocate. You're that person that stands in the gap for your child to meet every need that they have. And although as a single mom, I believe personally, the experience that I have is that I automatically went into the mode of providing and making sure that we were, you know, surviving, providing, and, and that we had the needs of, um, you know, shelter and food and things like that. But there's the, there's four needs that need to be, um, on our, the top of our list in order for us to have whole children. And educational needs is right there with our personal needs as far as survival needs and, and of course financial needs, but that's a whole nother topic. But, um, but educational needs is, is, is right there. You have to be that first advocate because by you being the advocate for your child, you show your child how to be an ad advocate as they get older in their educational career. So that's why it's so important. And I think the, the tricky part of the, the part that maybe causes a little um, a sense of, you know, just uh, for parents to feel uncomfortable is they, they're unaware. They don't know how, they don't know how to start or what to do, but it's, it's really easy. Um, and, and I don't mind, you know, sharing that with you, you know, as we go through with the rest of the podcast, but it is very important that we become the advocate for our kids, especially as they are um, fulfilling their educational needs. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, because if you're not checking in and you're not seeing like what's happening at school or at daycare and you're not really involved, you're kind of blindsided to what's happening in your child's life while they are there. Um, so mm -hmm. that's why I think it's important. But um, what does that parental involvement actually look like? And I was reading some articles and it talks about involvement as like in attendance, the parent-teacher conferences, school events, mm -hmm. volunteering, uh, maybe serving on some committee. So what did it actually, I mean, what does it actually look like to you through like a parent lens as well as an educator lens? Yeah. Um, so as a, I'm going to talk um, from the parent lens right now. And so, and it may overlap, so I'll just share. Um, of course, number one, I think, you know, you have to be an advocate. And that means, you know, what is an advocate? You stand in the gap, whatever it is that my kid can't, you know, communicate or expressing, I am that person that's going to express it to that adult that's in charge of my child's life for eight hours or however many hours of a day while they're at school. Um, and that's from letting them know, you know, how my child learns. And I'll talk about how you identify that as well. The personality of my child. Um, the, the different things that you may have noticed just in getting to know your child. And the interesting thing is if you have more than one child, in my case, all of my ch children are completely different. So that the needs and the things that I express to their educators, it, it's not like a, a over, I can't just say, well, you know, kids do this and kids do that. In a classroom, you have sometimes up to 30 kids and all of them learn differently. So you have to explain or show, you know, you know as a parent, how your child is learning. So when you go into the atmosphere of, you know, whether it's parent teacher conference, whether it's um, 
you know, you can have questions because you can, you're noticing things at home and you want to know if your child is having those same um, responses or reactions at school. Uh, you know, you're going to go in in a way that you, you just ask it. And so, and I'm sort of jumping, I'm sorry, but you, you're going to go in as an advocate. You're going to make yourself aware. How do you make yourself aware? Is by studying your child one. Then you're going to ask questions for things that you're not aware of as far as if there is a, if there is a program or if there is a solution to something that you see, because it's not always a problem. Sometimes your child may be gifted. And you're like, I just think that my child should be challenged a little bit more. And sometimes parents don't even know. And they don't know that it, the testing and everything begins when a parent asks or it doesn't get done. So the awareness of asking questions. And then I think the final and the most important piece is the accountability piece. You have to make yourself accountable, your child accountable, and the educator accountable. And in that, it goes back to those asking questions. And so we have to get a place, we have to get to a place that we're comfortable. And even when we don't know the right question, you can actually say, well, I don't really know the right question, but can you help me understand this? Or what does this mean by asking, you know, asking more questions? And, um, and if I could just say this, um, I shared this in the Single Parents Guide about the educational needs of a child. And one of the things that I found out is that sometimes as parents, we respond and react based off of our educational experience. So if we had a good educational experience, we had good teachers, and school was great for us. We sort of have like this perspective about school and education as it being great. But not everybody had great experiences. I know for, uh, especially during my time, if someone had a child and they were in school, School might not have been that great for them. So when it comes back to them having to come in there or teach a parent-teacher conference or for whatever reason uh, to, to be an advocate for their child, all of those emotions and all of those experiences that they had during their educational experience comes out in those conferences. And I think that sometimes as parents, we have to make sure that we're checking ourselves and we look and we identify with, okay, now when we come in here, make sure that we're coming as an advocate for our child but also with those questions to make sure that we're not, if it's in a negative light, um, putting that out because I've seen it where parents come, have come in and they have shared different things. And I was, I'll be like, well, that's not, we, I don't see that in your child or what, what makes you feel this or um, why do you feel this way that your child is experiencing this? And it, you can clearly see that's something that the parent experienced. So that was, I know that's a little off the topic, but no, that's something that so I have noticed. No, it's so good that you shared that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's something. But some things that you definitely want to share with your educator when you go in is, you know, the personality of your child. And this comes when looking at your child. When your child is happy, how do they react? How do they respond? You know, creating that safe space for your child. So when something is not right or when your child does not feel comfortable, the first person they come to is you. Because okay. if they, if you created this household, where you are, if that teacher called me, <laughs> it's on when we get to the house. You know, come on, let's all be honest. If you get the call yes. or behavior is an issue, yes. so that means that it, even if the child has, for whatever reason, has a teacher and their personalities do not get along, that child is going to have a fear about telling you or feel that they are always in the wrong. So that child is suffering and not learning as much as they can because of whatever's happening in that classroom. And I learned this as a parent because I was like, 
something's not right. Now I had a great educational experience. I had some teachers that we probably need to go and take and get some, you know, <laughs> check. But I had a great overall experience. But when I started noticing that my oldest was not, it made me like really check and say, well, I can't think about my experience. Let me find out exactly what's going on with my child. And I mean, it was a few years we went through this span. She hated school and she, she, she wasn't a verbal, she wasn't verbal. She wasn't able to express herself and to say why, but it was just such a level of frustration um, that came, but it was silently done. It wasn't, she wasn't loud. She didn't fuss. She, she just sat quietly in it. But I noticed it wasn't like a happiness about her when we talked about school. When, you know, because we're a family that still, still sits at the table and talk about, you know, what happened in the day. And, and it was never anything positive. And I said, hmm. Whereas I had another child. I think if I told her she couldn't go to school, she would cry. I mean, she was just like, oh, no, we're going to school. I don't care if it's snowing. We're going to go. It's, that's the best place in the world. So I had to learn that and, and studying my own children and, and seeing how they are when they're happy and how they are when they're sad and how they actually respond to those experiences um, that happens in those classrooms when they don't feel safe. And that's the main thing. I shared actually with a parent recently, and she was like, I just don't know what to do. I just don't want to come up there. And they were like, oh, um, she come up here every day. Why not? You're the parent. You're the advocate. If you come up there every single day, do what you need to do to make sure that your child feels safe in that classroom. So I know it went all off, but... No, no. (laughs) It's it's okay, but I really did want to touch back on what you said about getting to know your child and how they learn. I think that's really important, but the thing um, or the problem that I could foresee is that the parents are not really um, sitting down to spend that much time with their kids, and so they Mm -hmm. don't really know how they learn, and so I think that that is where we have to begin to do the work, because I know that my daughter was in um before she even started pre-k you know it starts as early as i guess as soon as they can talk right with those little flashcards mm-hmm. and those little um board books where they can um learn like simple words to say i um, mean you know mm-hmm. starting to teach them their vocabulary and so you know and it increases as time goes on and then you become like a partner with their teacher because you're trying to work to make sure that you're enforcing whatever they learn in the classroom at home. And then sometimes going a step further, you know, if you want them to learn other things. And then another um, important thing that you said was we respond and react to how our experience was in school. And I think that's important too, because sometimes we don't know how to turn that off. I remember um, my coworker, like her daughter was in trouble at school and they called her to tell her about it, but they weren't really giving her a lot of information. Apparently, um, they were picking on a kid, and there's a zero tolerance for bullying pro- um, policy. And I'm about to get off topic for a minute, but y'all just, you know, like, roll with mm-hmm. And so, you know, she got this call, and then she she got upset. And it's like, throughout this whole process, you know, you started to see bits and pieces of her education um, or how her experience was in school come out. And she was like, well, where were these people whenever I was back in school and I was being bullied every day? Nobody was mm-hmm. there. And, you know, like, this is not realistic. And the kid, because mm-hmm. I think 
they said something about they was going to put the little boy in a shredder or something like that. She was like, the kid mm-hmm. can't even fit in the shredder. And, you know, she was just going mm-hmm. on and on. She was so frustrated. But I'm like, listen, this is not 1980 anymore. You know, and this is what happened in your life. You know, you have to learn mm-hmm. to separate that from your kid's life. You know, but it's like right. people are still holding on to the stuff and it's a part of trauma, you know, like you said. Right. Um, so the right. kids don't just have trauma. The parents have trauma. And so I Absolutely. recommended her. I'm like, you need to go see a therapist. Um, and I, mm-hmm. you know, this is off topic again, but her and her husband has been having some issues. So I recommend therapy for that. But then even a step further, I'm like, if your husband is not okay with like going to therapy right now, you need to go yourself. Like, don't even worry right. about what Thank he's you. doing he's feeling right now you need to go for you because clearly you have some issues that you need to work through right but I you gotta be healed that because i'm sure yeah. a lot of moms that are listening can relate you know yeah and you know if if you said something and you know i i i i, I so believe this and i think one of the one things and and i actually i take I, I actually take great honor in it is that i've always been able to um, build relationships with parents where I've always had that strong parent unit in the school. Um, whereas it didn't matter what I needed. I all, if I called or if I needed something, I always had the the greatest response from parents. And in that, you said something you said about being that bridge and being that partner with the educator. And I think it's, a, you know, two sides. Of course, the educator, the teacher, um, whoever you're interacting with, because sometimes, you know, if you're going for meetings, sometimes you don't meet with the teacher. It just depends on the nature of whatever it is that you meet with. You might meet with an administrator. You might meet with a testing coordinator. It just depends on the needs, the educational needs of the child and what you're meeting for. But in, in creating that partnership, if you notice that as a parent, if you notice that that partnership is not being offered, you create it. You're the advocate, no matter what. You create it because when your child gets in middle school and you're preparing them for high school to be ready for college, you, you're going to have to show that child how to become an advocate for themselves. And the first thing you want to do is how do I build a healthy relationship? Whether the, the person is, uh, I'm trying to find a nice word, so forgive me. <laughs> um, whether the person is tolerable or not, you can still create <laughs> a partnership with yeah. whoever it is that's in place. And that is okay. So can I send you an email? to, you know, to, um, you know, to confirm everything that we talked about or to just, uh, to, to, you know, to, to get some feedback on everything that we talked about or to check in on what we talked about. And, you know, and I'll also be back, you know, to let them know, you know, this yeah. is something I got to do. So that accountability piece, you know, it's like, seriously, that accountability piece for you as well as your child and the educator is up to you. So if that hand has not been extended to say, you know, we're partners in here. Sometimes you got to show them. I'm going to let you know we are partners. And the number one person that I'm advocating for is my child, no exactly. matter what. And I'm going to I'm gonna go into something um, that I talk about a little in depth. And, you know, my book is about how you discipline a child, um, how you discipline your child when they are in the wrong. I mean, we know sometimes our children, they have their personalities, they're who they are. We know what they do at home. So just imagine they're doing it freely out in public when you're not around. <laughs> so if that comes about, now everybody raises their children wrong, but I just wanted to put this out there. If you demean or tear down your child in front of others and it's not a safe environment, you're creating and giving other people people permission to use your ammunition to tear down your kids when you are not around. 
Now, one thing that I don't do, I don't do when, and I even do it with family, and they would be like, you didn't say that. I was like, I got this. I don't correct my children in front of other people if it causes, when I know it's going to be something that could possibly tear them down. Um, And the reason why I don't is because I need them to feel safe to let them know that I'm correcting you in love, but I also need you to see why you need to change and what you need to change to, um, or what you need to see in the situation. And so I'm going to give this, and of course I won't use names, but a parent, and I know she was raised probably like, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a common thing these days, but she got the phone call. She wasn't doing the thing that the student wasn't doing things that she wanted. And of course the expectations of the school came up there and we had to shut the doors. We had to like sort of try in our most professional way, guide her off the hall because she went in on that kid. And I heard educators after that moment use that for the rest of the year on that kid. Well, don't let me call you mama because she knows you should come up here and beat you. You know, like things like that in front of the class or, you know, like things like if, if a teacher and you, you can tell, you can listen to the heart of a person if they are for the well-being of your child. So first, remember, that's your child. That's your baby. That's your flesh and blood. You want the best for your child. No matter what it looks like, no matter what I have to do, even when I don't know what to do, I'm going to create a, or I'm going to find an advocate or I'm going to find a support system. I'm going to find that partner. I'm going to find that bridge to make sure that the needs of my child is being met. And in that, if someone does not have the best issues of your child, it'll come out and it, they'll say it. Don't take on their, their tone or their personality towards your child and have your child sitting there and you're tearing down every, I mean, I've seen it, it where the parents are just, well, see, that's what I'm talking about. You did it at home, things like that. And then the, I hate to say this, but they use your ammunition to tear your child down. And there is no way that a child can learn when they have been mentally destroyed. That's, that's, I just wanted to say that piece. Yeah, we were yeah. About. <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, and I have another example too for you know being an advocate for your child when the teacher um, may not be living up to your expectations. So my daughter goes to a school, and the school is supposed to be like one of the best schools in the district, right, or in the city. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, this particular teacher has moved from second grade to kindergarten. So there's a bit of a transition, right? And then this is like mm-hmm. her first year teaching kindergarten. And so, like, I don't know, you know, my daughter originally was in this, like, um, private pre-K program. So they were really um, interactive. They, you know, communicated a lot. And they had, like, little practice work that they would do at home um, in addition to mm-hmm. what they did at the school. But in this particular school, like, my daughter doesn't have homework. Um, neither does the teacher uh, communicate other than her weekly newsletter. Like, she doesn't keep us up to date on the progress of our children um, and some other things that I just found to be, like, what? You know, and mm-hmm. I asked my coworkers because their kids are in the uh, same district. They just go to different schools. And they told me, like, oh, their kids get homework. Their kids get, you know, like communication um, about their progress and this, that, and the other. So I said, okay. Like at first I was just really like, you know, irritated behind it. But then I reached out to her, put my mm-hmm. little feelings aside and um, I talked to her about it. And she basically told me that um, I guess at that school or in kindergarten, they don't communicate other than the um, 
weekly newsletter and what was really um funny to me i guess what really caused me to kind of like show up was that um it wasn't until i got my daughter's first report card that i actually knew that she was having an issue with i think it was decomposing or something now prior to Mm -hmm. that i checked in like i want to say a month or so after school started maybe two months just to see how she was doing with everything. I knew that um, I checked the curriculum for kindergarten and a lot of the stuff she already knew. I didn't feel that, you know, she would be having an issue. And so anyways, long story short, you know, she tells me that, you know, they don't really communicate prior to the report card and that's how they measure how they're doing. And so I had to let her know in so many words that, no, I want to be informed about my child's progress. I don't want to wait until she gets a report card because there's no progress report or anything to know that, you know, she's struggling with something. I want to do everything in my power because I work with her like every single night after she comes home from school. Um, And if she has like whatever they're doing in the classroom, then, you know, I'm creating something else for her to do at home. So we could have been working on this at home had I known this was an issue, you know? And Mm -hmm. so anyways, just said all that to say that I had to communicate with this teacher and let her know that I was my child's advocate. So I encourage um, you guys that are listening to show up for your kids because these people, mm-hmm. they, they don't seem to always care. You know, like I said, every teacher mm-hmm. is not passionate. Um, now, like I said before, like some of my coworkers, they have teachers that, you know, communicate with them and let them know how their kids are doing. A lot of times we're like, Oh, is this a good school? Or is that a good school? When I, I, right. like, I feel like, it's not about the school it's more about the teachers now I guess in some form like it could be about the school but it really boils down to the teachers at that school right it does and and if if I may and and I'm just I'm gonna say this because again you know I'm a teacher at heart I love what I do so I've I've been able to see the inside the outside and mix both sides you know um and and I and I'll say even to you know, the degree of, you know, once communicated and once that accountability piece is there and you are, have made yourself accountable and you have, you know, hey, I'm coming in here every month. I'm doing my check-in, I'm doing my email, whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable. Remember, we all have different parenting styles too. We have our own different personalities. And, you know, as an educator, the one thing that I would always, you know, think about, and I don't even know that I've ever voiced this. So this is interesting. Um, Oh, I have. I, I did it to a parent, actually. I said, just trust me. You know, if you have some questions and so say, you know, you said after a month you checked in and was like, well, hold on, I'm not hearing anything. <laughs> Let me see what's going on with my baby. Yeah. Let me see what's happening, you know, with her journey. Um, and and to say if you see that this and I don't know the nature and, and you know, the, the personality or the tolerant level of, you know, her teacher at this time, but if you see that, you know, what she's doing is good and she hasn't brought something to your attention, because if it's a, if it's a issue, now this is when you're dealing with a teacher that's working at a hundred percent of heart, <laughs> you know, um, and not somebody that's just, you know, don't have the passion or the love for the kids. Um, if, if, if they have not brought something to your attention that says a red flag, this child is not moving along. I would say, especially um, after, you know, when whatever documentation, now I'm, I'm one that I feel like you do need to, you know, you need, you need to reach out to kids, especially at elementary level, that is like a non-negotiable. You need to have something going home, whether it's just a little pass or a little stamp, or, I don't know, but something needs to come home every week. I know everybody, you know, is demanding probably 
um, can become overwhelming, especially when you have a large number of students. But it's, I mean, you're gonna have to make it generic. You have to get you a little stamp pad or something. But you need to let me know what's going on with my child. So, yes. um, <laughs> oh my gosh, and, I found so, that to be so, so strange. Yeah. So, and I get everybody got their own their own place, but their own way of doing. And I, I get it because I have my own way of doing. And I would say, just coming from the educator side, is you know, trust the teacher. If you are confident that your child, especially, I mean. And knowing what the curriculum is and how and what they need to learn um, by a certain time. Hopefully they have given that to a, a parent night or a parent newsletter or something, I'm hoping. <laughs> or a website, however they give out the information. Um, and, and you know that your child is shown that they're able to learn this. And then you studying your child because that's a thing that's, that's happening all the time. It's not like you have your baby, okay, I looked at him, I I like how they drink their bottle and now I know how they learn. No, this is something that their learning styles change throughout the time that they're going through their educational experience. Um, and so as a parent, us making sure that we're accountable first, we're learning how they're learning. So I'm getting to the point of like trusting the teacher to a degree to say, okay, so if you haven't reached out to me, and I would ask, so if you haven't reached out to me, so you're saying that in these areas, she's, she's good. And by using whatever information that they gave you as your talking point, as you're, as you're leading into the conversation point, um, because the only way that they're going to be accountable and they become partners with you is by you making them accountable. So it's, you know, it's like that. Okay. So are you, you know, are you doing it? And I can trust that you got this or do I need to come in here and, you know, do I need to have a meeting to make sure that we got everything going on. So I would just say, like, you know, trust them enough to know that they, they're getting to see your child and learning that learning styles and what's happening, but also making them accountable at the same at the same time. No no one is no side is greater. You know what I mean? Um and saying, okay, so we need to have a meeting because I don't know that you're sharing with me that my child is oh, why is my child struggling in this area? I think would be the question, you know? And if they can't give you an answer, then then you need to move it up. Um, can I share something else too? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Okay, so I actually had, actually before the holiday break, I took off because I am one of those people, people know what I do. And I was reached out by a parent and she said, can you come to the school with me? I said, yes. And he, or if you want me to the conference, I'll call me. I'll be on the phone. You can have me if you want me to, anytime you want me to energy, I'll ask the questions that you need to ask. Have somebody that you can call. Have somebody, if you don't understand something, if you don't get something, of course we got internet and it is great. You'll find most of the stuff that you need on there through a website, mommy blog, whatever it is that you, you know, you're trying to reach. But if you need that advocate for yourself to go in and speak on behalf of you and your child, it's okay. You can have the whole community sitting in the meeting with you if you choose to. Or when you call these meetings, because I think it's important that parents call meetings as much as who call for parents to come in for meetings. Um, and so I went to, after a two-hour drive, <laughs> two-hour drive, and I, I didn't go with the expectation to have to talk or anything. They wanted me to watch um, a child. Um, and this child, I, I've met several times. And um, I just found it's been a very confident, young, um, vibrant um, male student. And this child was crying every single day. Well, of course, my red flags just went up all in all types of ways. Like, well, why would he be crying going to school? I mean, 
in elementary, every kid should love going through those doors every day. And so in me, you know, wanting to make sure that I look at it from all different perspectives is I said, my goal is to find out if you need to move him. That's all. I need to know what's happening. So I need to see it with my own eyes to see if you need to move him out of that environment. Because something, if he doesn't feel safe, sometimes what we already know, kids don't know how to communicate exactly how they feel all the time. And all he knows to do is crying. So what they're saying, or what he's socially, you know, behind, or he, we can't get him to stop crying, or whatever the case, and they're looking at it as it being um, a mental or, you know, social uh, disadvantage. Um, it may be that he does not feel safe in that classroom, and because he he is not a different simple kid, and he can't say I don't like you or you treating me mean, he's crying, and it, he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no like little crime. But as soon as he left that school, he turned into that happy kid again. So it was the decision, when is it time to move a kid from a class? Or when is it time to say, what you got going on in your classroom? It has nothing to do with me, you, or um, how I feel about you personally. But as you've been educated for my child, you can't be anymore. It is, I think as a parent, we have to make sure that we are confident enough to know that it is our job that if something is not happening that creates my child to be the whole child complete, then it's my job to remove them from that harmful or hostile environment. Period. No, no nothing behind that. Just move them out. Never allow your child to stay in a place and they are being damaged or emotionally harmed because it, it's going to trip. That will be the, it will grow. It will, it will continue to grow every year, every year, every year. And just like we talked about the parents coming in talking about their educational experience, we're create, that's their educational experience that's beginning to be created in that moment. So I just wanted to share that because I was thinking about sitting in that classroom with that baby. <laughs> My God. Yes. So I think like moving forward for this year, like for me, um, I'm going to probably reach out to leadership because like you said, like, mm -hmm that should be non-negotiable like we should be knowing mm -hmm. what our kids are doing at least on a weekly basis uh and mm -hmm. so i just find myself having to constantly check in and she won't give me no more information than what i ask not to say that she's mm -hmm. a bad teacher but it's just mm -hmm. like you know seriously <laughs> you know i'm like okay yeah. you know we've been working yeah. on this at home has she improved and she'll be uh she'll just say well she's good in everything else it's just this one issue okay well i want her to be good at everything so how do we work together to fix this one issue you know because right. say this particular thing was like math right and she was like oh well mm -hmm. this is a new concept that we introduce and a lot of the kids are struggling with it well that doesn't make it okay you know mm -hmm. um but anyway yeah. i know we then, talk all day about that yeah and you know make sure you you know and i'm sure you are because it sounds like it but make sure you like do timelines especially if you're going to bring admin or leadership involved okay so for three weeks we found out you know initially we found out she's behind in this area so for three weeks you know i reached out now what strategies are we using what measures are we using to see that there is progress or if we just said it because if if all of the kids are struggling it's not the kids it is you so yes. what are we putting in place <laughs> To teach, no, we have to like, we have to really read. <laughs> the thing is, I get to talk to educators that way because, you know, that's just my role. And also, just to be that mirror sometimes to say, well, if everybody's feeling in your class, it's not the kids, it's your teaching style. So it's not a negative, it's just that we're a, a lifelong learner. So, what can we do to evolve as an educator? 
So what can you do to make sure that my child, now that you bring other children up in this conversation, they're all learning this concept. Okay. So what we're going to do. And then, yeah, I would, I would move forward in that way. <laughs> yes. yes. I would move I would forward that. In that I'll way. keep you guys posted on how that goes. <laughs> so yes. uh, my next question is, you know, when we're talking about, uh, single mothers being involved or even taking it a step further and talking about black parents being involved in their kids education what do you think holds them back and I know you mentioned before that you think sometimes it may be the experience that they had in school or I guess it could be you know like work schedules uh lack of knowledge you know they feel like ashamed mm-hmm. I think you mentioned that too um, like they don't know how to do the kids work and they just don't want to ask for help, you know, or could mm-hmm. it be that they feel like they are unwelcomed at the school? All three. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's all three. So with the lack of knowledge creates a lack of confidence. Um, and, the, and the lack of knowledge, I mean, education is evolving. Although we can all, you know, create our list of the things that we don't like about education, we are evolving, you know, um, and, and, and how things are being taught, and just look at society. I mean, compared to just, hey, five years ago. Um, so how children are being taught today is totally different from probably how you were being taught when you were in school. And with that being said, um, it's not expected for the parents to know. I mean, I can tell you if I went into another content area or if I had to go into a class and they were learning a new concept that teachers are being taught yearly, I would probably be like, oh, wow, well, that's interesting. <laughs> I've never seen that, you know, because everything is evolving. So um, the pieces, and it goes, and I, I, I keep, you know, these three A's. <laughs> I, I think that this is going to be something I actually use. Um, advocate awareness and that accountability piece. By you becoming accountable, we, we got internet. Now you can go and find some, you know, find these topics, you know, YouTube, whatever you need to do. And also that partnership between you and the educator. Um, so it's like, I don't know. So that's that, that lack, lack of knowing. Um, so I think that holds us back because they're like, well, ask your teacher. Or so what did your teacher say? And sometimes these kids, they're not able to communicate. They're like, well, I don't know. You know, they want to go on the board. They said this or this is what they gave me and hand you a sheet of paper. And you're like, well, I don't know what this means. So it's just a level of frustration that's created. Um, then you have the, uh, you have the, um, where, it's almost like the, and it's touchy because you talk about, you know, the experiences of what you went through and then you say, well, I don't feel safe or welcome when I go into that building. Um, I mean, people going to judge, people going to be people. There's nothing we can do about that, but you have to make sure that you're at that place as the parent. I am the parent. I am here for the, the, um, to fight or to stand in the gap that to make sure that my child has the best educational experience that they can have that however you're feeling, you got to push to the side. And I know that sounds a, a bit harsh because you're like, well, no, ain't nobody going to disrespect me. Okay, so I don't know how people are coming off at you if you come into a building because, you know, everybody's experience is different. And I've seen some, some different experiences that will make me say, now, hold on, now, that's not nice. But at the same time, you don't have to push that to the side to get to what is the goal. The goal is to make sure that my child has the best educational experience ever. So if someone is treating you mean or someone's not making you feel welcome, put that to the side. So I have nothing to do with how people treat me, but let me show you how to treat me today. So while I'm here is to make sure that my child has the best educational experience and I am not leaving or I will not stop at this point until it is created. 
you know? So with that, it's, it's like, no matter what is happening, don't let your lack of stop you. Because again, it goes back to that accountability piece. You have to be accountable for yourself first before you can even ask or show your child how to be accountable for their learning. And when you make yourself accountable for your child's learning, then you show them, by example, how to be accountable for their own learning. And of course, make the educator accountable as well. So when you're going into these places, whether you don't feel welcome, whether it is just the lack of not knowing, um, with the just the changes that's happening all the time, okay, I need to ask questions. Create your list of questions before you go in. Um, and also, create opportunities to get involved. There is, and I know every school, every district, every state has different rules and regulations, especially with security and safety being the top priority right now in the nature of society, you know, in our culture right now. Um, but you can sign up and say, hey, I want to volunteer. I mean, we don't work every day. I mean, some of us, we grind in really, really hard. But for us to be accountable for our child's learning experience, we need to make time because it should be a priority for us. So if I come up here for an hour a month or 15 minutes, a month and whether it's in the classroom or I'm volunteering in the media center or I'm volunteering in the front office, I'm making copies, whatever, make yourself visible and vocal. Parent teacher conferences now have moved where you can actually Skype in. Teachers are actually texting these these apps that we're using where you know remind and zoom all these different things that we're using to make sure that we're contacting parents. If your teachers or your educators don't have these in place, recommend them. Suggest them because I know that we may have had experiences with bad educators, and I hate to say that, I don't want to use that word, or educators that don't seem as passionate or as loving <laughs> as we would yeah. like them to be. Um, but one thing, like let's keep it 100. If your child is not there, they don't have a job. And if your child is not learning, their job is on the line. So <laughs> you want to make sure you're visible and vocal. And I don't I care how that. you treat, I don't care how you're treating anybody else. In this classroom, I'm going to show you how to treat that one right there. <laughs> so if you only go one newsletter a month, thank you. Because <laughs> what happens is, however, or whatever you, you know, you teach people how to treat you, but whatever standard and expectation you put out there, they'll meet it. They'll rise to it. Please believe they will. So they, <laughs> it's either going to do it because they don't want to hear your voice anymore, or they're going to do it because they're going to be like, oh, well, maybe I do need to set my game up. Because not everybody is at a place where they don't want to learn. Everybody wants to be that best version. You know, so that's, that's what I have there. So it's up to them to be involved. Don't let anything hold you back for creating that the best learning experience for your child. And it is hard as a parent going into different environments to want to be involved. Because, hey, let's let's talk about, you know, PTA or PTO and um, these um, organizations that are in the school that parents can get involved in. And, you know, you go in there, you want to, you want to be involved and you just, you just lost. You're like, I don't know what, how to start, what to start. I don't know what to do. Just go. And then ask, it is nothing wrong with asking questions, but making sure that you're 100 and confident in who you are and why you are there. It's not about, you got to remember, your main focus is to create the best learning experience for my child or children. That's it. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't tell you how to feel about what that looks like, or how you feel once it, once I start creating it. All I know is that's the goal. We're gonna reach it. We might have a little bumps in the road, but hopefully it'll be smooth sailing, and we're gonna work towards it. So we're partners.
Yes. <laughs> and um, I want to say that, you know, the times that I have been to the school, I actually took off from work. So I know like a lot of you probably are like, you don't want to use your PTO to go to the school, but I definitely think that it's worth it. And like my daughter, uh, the school that she goes to, they have quite a few opportunities to be involved. And so um, one of them is like parent readers. And so on Fridays, you can go up to the school and you spend like an hour or two you know, read into the class, like you bring some books and then you read. And that's only an hour or two out of your time. And if you have a job, you know, where they allow you to make up time, then, you know, you can do that. And so um, that's just like one of the ways, or if like you said, with the parent helpers, or um, anything like that, I just feel like, you know, you shouldn't allow like the lack of PTO or not wanting to use it become an excuse I just felt like I should say that so this is about yeah. like sacrificing to make sure that like you're being an advocate for your kid right and another thing and I don't know you know every state is different and we're talking to and I'm speaking into existence it's not happening but we're talking to parents you know internationally all around the world right now and you know, every, every, you know, every job has different um, expectations and requirements. And um, there, there are some jobs that give you time. I think it's like four hours a month that you can take off for your child's educational needs. So oh, wow. it, your job, yes. And even educators, we have it. Because if you think about it, me as an educator, I don't get to go to my child's uh, award ceremony. I don't get to go to, to uh, activities happening during the daytime. Why? Because I'm, I am helping teach or help um, educators in another building. <laughs> so, and those, you know, I'm taking advantage of that time too. Okay, on this day, on this field trip, I'm going with my son on his field trip, or I'm going here with my daughter um, for, you know, her first day at college to be here because I get my four hours a month, whatever that looks like. So um, look into it. it. It may be an option for you. Oh, um, wow, that's so cool. Maybe something that you can bring up. Yeah, so I work for a community hospital. Now, they do allow us, like, eight hours to go volunteer at one place per year. Like, you – I think it's per year, like, where you get, like, you know, eight hours to go and volunteer um, that you don't have to use your personal time for. So I'll definitely ask about the time for education because that is so cool. Yeah. I never knew that existed. And, uh, hey, you can use that those eight hours for your, your child's – Cool. I mean, remember the number one goal. The number one goal is to make sure that my child has the best learning experience ever. And in that, I'm going to be visible and vocal, whatever that takes. So how y'all doing? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I just like, I got some questions from some of the listeners. And so we're going to get into those. So one question uh, a mom had was that, like, how can she, as a mom of a boy with ADHD, be more involved and work with the teacher? Like, she finds it so difficult um, to kind of navigate that space. Do you have any suggestions for her? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, first being able to identify, you know, what it is that we are, um, that we're addressing. So we, we see that, you know, there's a need. Um, we see what it is that the child may be, you know, struggling with or dealing with. And this can go for any parent that's dealing with whether it's ADHD or learning disability or, um, you know, just social needs, you know. Um, so identifying what that is. 
And once you identify what, you know, what it is, and that's through, you know, medical professionals telling you, um, you're doing your own research, but also paying attention to your child. How does that react, uh, how does that, um, how does that uh, affect your child? So in that, when you're able to find out how that's affecting your child, go in, and this is where I'm pausing because you got a double-edged sword here. Because if you give too much information after you've identified the heart of that educator, um, and I don't know the, you know who she's doing, hopefully she's in a wonderful partnership and they're all working towards creating that wonderful experience for her child. Um, and so she has a safer environment. But I know a lot of parents, and I actually had a, a younger brother who, where my mom did not share with anybody that he was taking um, medicine for his, his ADHD. She didn't tell anybody through his educational career because of the need for safety. So I don't know if she's already shared that or I don't know the area, but I would say um, find out if it is a safe place to share it. Because once you identify the heart of the educator, sometimes the educator re reacts. I'm using the word react because there's a difference between responding and reacting to the student in that nature. And they only see that student in that light. And it's sad, and I know, <laughs> but um, but they only see that child or whatever label has that that is on that child. And so, as a parent, you're gonna have to ask yourself, okay, so what do I want to share about my child in this journey that we're going on to make sure that he has the best learning experience? And what do I want to withhold? Now, a lot of people, you know, may have their own opinions about that, but you're gonna have to decide. As your child's number one advocate, what is safe to share and what's not. If you know that's going to be used against him, don't share it. With our males in schools, it's hard anyway. Because we already know that 95 or probably possibly 98% of the educators are white females. And we can't say, well, I can't say, excuse me, I don't want to say we. I can't say that all of them know how to deal with our male students. Yes. And it's unfortunate. And the male students, uh, the male teachers that are there, we can only possibly say about 1% is African-American or black, whichever one you choose. And I, I can't say that they know how to deal with our male students. And with that, if we get to have, I don't want to say cop out. If we get to have, I'm talking about educators. If we get to have a reason if, if, if we as parents give them an excuse to not have to create that best educational experience, they don't take it. Does that, I hope I'm saying that right. If we give them the excuse to, to not create the best educational experience for their child, for our child, I'm sorry, they're going to take it. And we're like, well, I, I couldn't do that because, you know, you told me that blah, 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 blah. Hold on. You know what I mean? You don't want it to harm. But at the same time, you want to be transparent as a parent so you can create. So like I, that's why I was saying it's a double-edged sword. So my, my advice or my suggestion would be to learn the environment, the culture that your child is in. Um, make sure that it is safe. Have some strategies and some procedures, whether you find it at online or through your medical professional, that you can start um, implementing at home. Suggest and give those um, strategies and procedures to the teachers, be a part of all of the meetings because 
unfortunately, when we have meetings at school, a lot of parents don't show up, and we're creating strategies and um, and timelines and ways we're gonna implement implement all of these different things for our babies. And the parents don't, they don't have a voice in it. The parent voice is completely gone. And you do not have to be you do not have to be physically there. You can call in, you can text back and forth, you can do FaceTime, whatever it is that you need to do to make sure that you are the number one advocate for your child. Now, say if it's just challenging and the teacher is just struggling with meeting the needs of this child, that's where we were talking about earlier. When is it safe to move? Or when is it the time to move my child? to create or find that person that can meet the kid, meet the needs of my child. And that's when you need to start having that discussion. And that will take more of your time of you going up there unannounced, <laughs> going in looking in, or so usually they have like a little place that you can go and look in the window or just saying, you know, I just want to do a classroom tour. And you can let them know, I'm coming. I need to see what's happening in the classroom. I need to see how he's responding and reacting to different things that's happening in the classroom. What is a trigger? What is making him feel uncomfortable to respond or react to you in a certain way? Um, is there anybody in this building that he feels safe around? Um, and then also as a parent, the number one thing that we want to make sure that we're doing is, you know, of course, making ourselves accountable, but how are we making our child accountable? Because, you know, we love our kids and we're going <laughs> to be there to the end and we're going to fight for our kids and we're going to do everything. But also, sometimes we have to take the blinders off and say, okay, so what? Okay, so hold on. So I know I've seen you do that at home. And so now you're doing that school, but you're doing it on 10. So what, what are we going to do to make sure that you don't do that again? You know, um, so it's, just, it's a lot there. And I don't know the whole situation of what she may be dealing with. Um, but just communicate, communicate, communicate. Call for meetings every time. If you want to have a meeting every three weeks, it is your have a meeting every three weeks. The meeting may be five minutes, but I need to have a meeting. I want to do a conference call. I just want to be on the phone. I want to hear everybody's voice. I want to hear everybody's voice. I want to see everybody's face that's interacting with my child every day. I need to see what you're implementing, what is in place, um, what are you doing to making sure that he is having the best educational experience because we're creating the foundation for you know his future and and whatever grade he is the next year and the year after that yes that is good and you know what i wanted to say that um oftentimes i feel like in a black community we tend to label our kids and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we don't really you know i guess like really get to the root of the problem and we see that they're acting out or they're doing this or that and we automatically say oh this boy has adhd or this girl you know needs to be on some medicine because of mm-hmm. xyz when mm-hmm. we're not really taking the time to really figure out um, what those issues are and i think as again as a black community we just allow um, people to diagnose our kids and just move on, you know, and not really right. um, doing our own research. So I just wanted to say that, moment, to say that oh, your kid does not have ADHD, but I just wanted to say that, um, especially to other moms that may have some younger kids that may be coming up, like, please just always do your research and get second and third opinions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so good. And making making sure we're not numbing, numbing, the situation or knowing oh, yes, yes. what is happening right now because we're not dealing with the root. Because if you don't deal with the root of the issue, it's going to come out in another way. 
And so when we find out what the root of the issue is, we can sever it at the root that it has no growing power. And it actually leads into <laughs> it leads into another piece. And I, I am faith based, and actually, um, hopefully, you know, some of the moms out there, if you want a copy of my book, you can get it. At the end of every chapter and every area that I talk about, I put a confession there that you should speak over your child, and a prayer that you should pray over your children. Um, and when you sever it at the root, it has no growing power. So sometimes out of frustration because we don't know what to do because we have not reached out for that advocate or we have not reached out for that partner in this, we can't do it by ourselves. We have to reach out. And that's when you get in there and you have those meetings and you say, well, what, what, um, what programs do you have? What, what systems do you have in place? Because there are resources out there. Don't think that you have to figure this out by yourself. And you would hate to, you would hate to have a, a quick decision that has a lasting impact. And so we want to use wisdom in everything. You don't want to create or make a decision that has a lifelong impact and is negative. We want to make those decisions that always have a positive impact. And, 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 and you can go so deep in that, but I just, <laughs> I'm trying to be mindful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and just understand that trauma is real and um trauma is real and there's no age limit to it yeah it is not, absolutely not i mean our babies the things that they're experiencing and they can come from the most loving homes and, and i'm sure they do um and, I, and i'll give you this example going to school and possibly seeing a fender bender can create a sense of trauma for a kid or somebody somebody i don't know if you have a soft home in your home and everybody talks very soft and pleasant and just very you know very calm and and <laughs> they have a teacher that's very whew, very loud and you know abrasive and or just very direct that can create a sense of anxiousness within that child yes. and then the teacher thinks something's <laughs> wrong the, the teacher thinks something wrong with the baby and they're like why is she yelling at me but they can't tell the parent because then they're like well, I'm not supposed to talk bad about teachers, you know, so it's so much there. Um, yeah, it's so, <laughs> it's, yeah. we can be on this all day. <laughs> yeah, I get so. it. Cause I like one thing I want to share is that like, you know, our families could totally influence us. Um, just talking about this ADHD thing, but like in a different light. So when my daughter was like two or three, um, like she's a really busy kid, right? And if you're not used to kids uh, around, then you're like, oh, you know, she's hyper, she's this and she's that. I mean, like she's a kid, but even like a step further, um, she used to have, I won't call it a problem, but she would just try to talk really fast and she would stutter. And so I had some family members to tell me like, I need to get her a speech therapist or, you know, something like that. And I just didn't feel in my spirit that she had a speech problem. I just, you know, continue to work with her and tell her to slow down when she's talking, you know, because her words will run together. Um, and so, like, every time she would, like, stutter, I would tell her to slow down, you know, think about what she wants to say, and then say it. And so we went through that for, like, months, actually. 
and now she talks perfectly fine like you know she's five now but I never like put her in speech therapy but like how do I listen to like you know um my family to talk about like she was this and she was that then you know I may have like I don't think there may have been a problem with doing that but you know like not actually having to do it by working with her myself if that makes sense so I just want to say like you know um like family can like be like bad influence sometimes so just be careful with that especially uh if they haven't had a kid in a while or they don't really know how to deal with kids like high energy kids you know so um just be careful and that's all I'm gonna say about that now, um, moving on to the next question, um, a mom says that she has a kid um, who seems uninterested in school. So do you have any tips or, you know, tricks that can um, help her help the kid? Now, I asked her a question and she didn't reply to me uh, yet, but I asked her, like, do you get, um, like, like, are you not interested in their education? Like, are you actually, you know, like, helping them and doing this and doing that because sometimes you know like our thoughts about education can like transfer over into our kids like uh, my dad actually does not value education like he he thinks me going to college was a waste especially um since like he makes six figures and all of that without like ever going to school so it's just it was hard for me to like really talk about education with him not that he was a very involved parent either but just you know like finishing college not really um getting a job in my field and like he was just on the outside looking in right so like you have a degree and you don't have a job in your field da da da, da. you couldn't even get a job when you first came um to Houston you know like <laughs> like he was just throwing all of those things mm-hmm. in my face and so Anyways, just saying all that to say, like, your thoughts on education could really affect your kids, um, whether they Mm -hmm. are young or, like, older kids. So, I think, for me, if, you know, if I was coming, well, I've experienced it. So, I I actually experienced it it with two of my children, my oldest and my youngest. Um, Well, we went through a span of, then just like, I don't, I'm good. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to go to school. Um, I just. I mean, there wasn't defiant. There wasn't disrespect. It wasn't. It was none of that. But you knew, like the zeal or whatever it was about, like going to school and being happy about it. Um, it wasn't there. Um, I. I don't, I'm sure she probably has. But I would have the conversation. I would um, ask. You know, well, what do you like about school? They'll tell you. Um, but pay attention to the body language. Um, when they begin to talk, um, when you say or you bring up different things that you may, you know, because, you know, our parents, you're trying your best. You're like, so you like the teacher? Is the lunch good? You know, you're bringing up all this stuff that you're trying to remember or you're trying to relate to the kid to find out what it is that's possibly um, creating this um, this feeling toward school. In that, pay attention to how they're responding, how they're, how they're reacting to what you're saying. And I know that. I, well, I didn't realize it until I said something about, um, I said something about the little girls. I said, well, are the little girls nice and stuff? And she was like, I mean, they okay. Now, my baby was in the second grade. From second grade to fifth grade, she shared with me now, and she's talked about it so openly now. So It's so odd. She talks about it so openly now how she hated going to school every single day because the little girls were so mean to her. And she never told me when we were, when she was going through it. 
but I would see how she would react and respond when I'd be like, well, come on, let's go. You know, we, we were in a, a community that was very close-knit and like all school activities was like a whole community thing, but she was never excited about it. And um, we, we definitely had a lot of, <laughs> a lot of meetings. Um, and I'm laughing because um, it got to a point where I'd be like, I told my mom to step in because being an educator, being a colleague of, you know, it just created a bit of friction in some areas. So I would have to like say, okay, mom, go ahead in, you do this. Um, and, and they would be like, oh, so is your mom coming to the meeting? <laughs> I was like, is your mom coming to the meeting? Or is it you? I was like, no, my mom's gonna handle this for me. Thank you. Um, so, but in that, I would find out what, what is it? Because it's something. Um, and I would hate that it is, you know, someone mistreating her or just a bad experience is happening and you find out later because you do have to work through all of those things. Um, and so just having those conversations. And then, now this is what caused me to start taking um, my oldest out to different um, learning experiences and environments. Taking her to different learning experiences and environments that did connect to the school and see how she responds to it. And in that, if she is happy and excited about going to museums, and happy and excited about learning um, just different things um, through your personal experience and the, and the experiences that you're creating as a parent, it's something going on in the classroom. It's something going on in the school that she doesn't like. So you figure it out by creating, um, learning your child. So whatever that looks like for you guys, whatever the experiences look like for you guys when you're trying to it, um, when you're trying to study your child, and it's almost like creating a little test. I mean, but that's what we do as parents, you know. Uh, let me see if my child's gonna like these greens. So we're gonna put new greens or whatever, if it's kale or spinach or collards or turnips, whatever. Let me put it on the plate and see if they like it. So create those little tests to find out what it is, so you can, so we can, so we can move towards fixing it. That's what I would do. Yes. Okay. So that's good. That's really good. And so I hope that she, you know, takes this information and uh, implements some of those things. Now, I guess the next one, uh, next question that a mom had was, you know, I guess like when it comes down to helping them with their homework, um, she has a kid that gets frustrated when they can't get it or they can't find the answer. And my daughter, <laughs> I remember whenever I was teaching her how to write, like, I don't know, at like two or three, I don't remember what age, but she would get so frustrated. And it started to make me frustrated. And I have to check myself because I'm like, I'm just trying to teach her how to write her letters. And she's not like getting it. And she would put her like her head down. And she was like, <laughs> she's tired of writing. You know how little kids are. And it's cute. But at the same time, it's frustrating because now they don't want to try. And so it takes like, or it took me like a lot of patience to just really um, work with her. And then I was kind of just like able to keep like different little sheets where we tried practicing different letters and show her the progress. And I think that helped her to become like more interested in actually trying. Cause I'm like, look, you know, you did this last week and now you're, you're doing so much better, you know, and just encouraging her. Um, but like, even now, like she doesn't really have homework in kindergarten, but I know in pre-K she had homework and like she would just do it or if she couldn't get it, like she would get frustrated, but I would have to, again, be patient and work with mm -hmm. her. And I think 
that may help like being patient but like you may have some other you know strategies for kids with older parents because I I can't speak to that aspect yeah um so of course being patient and 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 I guess you know with me but I mean just as a parent I mean you have to think like how do you like to learn you know what I mean like how do you like to learn different things and and so I'm gonna add this piece and it is add the fun to whatever it is that's going on like so you know like the homework or I don't know. You might have to help me with an example. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, I know. See, I, I still feel like I have a younger kid, so it's kind of easy. I feel like it's easier for me, but I don't know. Like, oh, well. <laughs> like if we're reading, like sometimes she likes to sing the words, or we like act out the stories. Or yeah. Doing like, um, like the one thing she was struggling with was decomposing, and so um, I mm-hmm. bought some blocks off of Amazon, like what her teacher was using in a classroom. And so um, we would make it into a game. Like, you know, if she could guess this, she would get one point. Or like you said, making it fun. Um, and then mm-hmm. you know, figuring out a reward if necessary. But sometimes, like, you know, I don't think kids should always be rewarded for things that they should do. But then sometimes I feel like, you know, you can reward them every now and then. Yeah. And, I, and so, yeah, like the reward. Um, and, and this is where you can create that partnership with your teachers, especially with older Teachers and let's let's actually talk about that. In high school, it's actually so uncommon for parents to go or have conferences, and, and, and for some reason, it's trickling down to middle school. Like, oh, we still have conferences. Y'all still have conferences. Um, yeah, we would like to talk to you, let you know what's going on with your with your kids, uh, with your students, so you know we can create that partnership. But when I say make it fun, so when you're at home and you're trying to learn a concept, or you're trying to make sure, you know, especially when you have younger children, you want to make sure that you create that foundation and creating that accountability piece with your child early. So by the time they are in middle school, you really can just be like, oh, so we did a homework, we're doing our homework, the expectation is already there, they're meeting that expectation. It's not a strain or a struggle because it's already an expectation of the house. But I was saying like, if it is something, you know, like with music or songs or I don't know, cooking, whatever it is yeah. to help teach that concept, making mm-hmm. it fun again. Um, like at the dinner table, um, going to a restaurant, go, like I said, we love to go to museums. And uh, one of the things that we, me and the kids do, we go to all of the art museums around, you know, in the U.S. So that's one of the things because that's one of the things, that's one of the ways that um, one of my children learn. So, um, you know, like, find, learn your child. And if you have more than one, you got to do double work because, you know, all children, you know, every child is different. So learn your child, what motivates them, because um, taking my child to an art museum and making a connection to every area in education, I mean, literally, I mean, like, to, I mean, math, I mean, everything, she makes a connection through art. And, and that's her connection. Uh, and it took me a while to figure it out, but I was like, oh, wow, like her brain, I mean, to me, I think it's beautiful. Uh, and I'm just like, you know, that is so cool. That's so beautiful how your your mind works. And it actually led up to working towards what she wants to be, you know, when she grows older. So um, just, you know, finding the fun in it, because it's not, it goes back to that first thing that we talked about earlier, your educational experience. <laughs> it, it may not look like yours. How you learn something how you deal with something, it's totally different. You know what I mean? It's totally different, or it could be, not always, but it could be totally different for how your child gets it. 
And so that patient piece that you, you shared, absolutely. But as a millionaire, what little, is this music? Okay, so what song do you think relates to this? Like when you first hear this concept, or when you first hear this word, is there a song that comes to your head? Or um, what does this look like to you? Oh, let's see if we can make this. Let's see if we can, you know, cook this or bake this. You know, anything. I mean, literally anything. Hey, hey y'all, YouTube, it works. <laughs> YouTube can help you in so many areas, especially with, um, you know, teaching something or helping your child learn something. Yes, yes. And you mentioned something, and I actually was going to ask you about this, but why do you think that the parental involvement declines as the children become older because it's like okay you know when they first get in school we're like all involved and gung-ho about you know our kids really learning and being the best that they can be but then as they get in middle school and go on to high school it's like okay they're on their own now you know they should be doing this because you know of I guess my expectations or what have you and so we kind of fall off I think so the expectation is there. You know, I want my child to do it, do their best, and, and I want them to learn. And I think, even for me as a parent, um, as they get older, you know, we've already expressed, we've already shared, um, you know, our expectations, what we want. Um, we feel like they have it. And we, we as I think for me, I feel like I'm at a place that if something's going on, you're going to be like, hey, um, my, like this happened, blah, 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 blah. And, and so what should I do? And the first thing that I do, even with my middle school, is I'll tell, you know, I have one in the eighth grade. I say, so did you talk, did you talk to the teacher about it? Did you send an email? Like, cause I'm teaching them how to be their advocate through the example of what they've seen me do through all these years. So it's like, we're, we're at a place that we are sort of like releasing them to become their own advocate. But it's, you have to be very careful because at the same time, you want to continue to make yourself accountable in in their learning experience so as they get older I in high school I can't well I can't say I've been maybe three times and my baby's getting ready to graduate from high school and I'm talking about three times in the last four years to the school just to talk to the teachers but I have been in communication like through email but the constant conversation in PD or when we go and talk to, you know, teachers and things, parents, they don't reach out unless a child is feeling or something bad happens and a child may be getting, you know, in some trouble or some issues that are coming or arising from whatever is happening. So I'm not really sure if it's just because of the, um, the adult you're trying to prepare them to be adults, so you start giving them that area. But I think I need to place a charge on all of us and say, they're not adults yet, and we need to probably take the reins back. And it's not that we have to get the weekly um, notifications or the weekly newsletters like we would do, uh, re require in elementary, but at least once a quarter. <laughs> I mean, let's just start there. Uh, once a quarter, once a month, reach out and just find out what is going on. Um, but you will hope that those communication lines are open, that the child is talking to you, uh, however you guys communicate at home, um, through text if something is going on, if they need a tutor, because this is actually the time that, you know, I am investing more like with SATs and ACTs and college tours and all this. So I cannot say that I go up to the school um, as much as I am preparing my older ones for where they're about to go. So I'm... Um, 
I don't know why we don't use the school as our bridge, but you do have so many resources in the high school level, like the career counselors, and I mean, I'm sorry, the college counselors to prepare them and to tell you more about scholarships and to tell you about grants and fellowships and internships and all these things that your students can be involved in. So we need to make sure that we are using those resources on the high school level, middle school level, because, you know, you can start your internships and camps and different things as early as middle school, sometimes in elementary, depending on what type of schools they're attending. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got me sitting here like, well, I need to, you know, probably need to create like more of a partnership yourself, there. Huh? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, hold on, let me send an email today. I just wanted to no, get in. <laughs> I was reading this journal article and there was actually a study done um like parental involvement um like mm -hmm. in I guess elementary middle school and high school and it showed that the numbers declined heavily uh, as they got in high school specifically but then also like middle school has some um numbers to decline so yeah so in middle school the number one question when we reach out to say that we want to have a meeting or if I'm reaching out from whatever level, admin or just a teacher level, um, <laughs> it's funny, the first thing that comes out of that mouth is like, well, do I have to come up there? I'm like, oh, okay, well, um, no, you don't. <laughs> we have some, you know, different ways that we can communicate this to reach this goal that we're trying to reach. Um, so I don't know if it's just, you know, the, our, the culture that we're living in and, you know, everything's like right at our fingertips and we're like, well, can you text it to me? Can you email it to me? Um, can we, you know, and I haven't had a parent ask to FaceTime yet, but we do have like, we're using like the Google chat and where you can do like conference calls and we haven't had where a parent used it, but we do have that platform at our school. Um, so I am, I don't know why it declines, but I think it goes back to, I'm thinking that it goes back to what well, elementary is so involved, it's so involved. And if they got it in elementary, they got it in elementary, then they got it. And then sometimes as parents, we put so much trust in the education system and we put so much trust in our, our child's uh, teacher that we're like, well, they got it. You know, they got it. If something, if something happens, they'll call me. And it, it should, really shouldn't be that way. You know what I mean? Why does something happen, have to happen, and usually bad for them to, um, for them to, you know, reach out? I would say that the charge needs to be put out there. Because I will say from the educational side, we're begging for parents to come. We're begging for parents to be involved. And I'm talking about middle school, high school level. I mean, there's, I mean, I get the calls, I get the emails, I see the newsletters. Um, as far as like, you know, on the website of, you know, parent night, curriculum night. And this is on high school and middle school level. And I've been in attendance and I've seen it where it's been a handful of parents come when you have a school of a thousand and you may, may have 30 parents show up. And I mean, dinner's been served, things like that. So I think it will be why aren't parents coming? The education side needs to look at it. Are the parents not feeling safe or what is happening? Why parents don't want to come? And then also the parents need to ask and say, why don't you feel the need to come and be involved? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely um, think those are some things that we should consider now. My last question is, and so uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that I came across uh, was the lack of 
um, black parent involvement in the education system. And so when compared with other races, it's like we're always at the bottom. And so I'm asking you, like, as an educator, have you been able to see that? Like, you know, um, I guess if you have a diverse class and then you have a few black students and you have Caucasian or white students and then Latina or any other races, do you find that we're always kind of like the least involved? And and I like that you said the black woman. And that's the, the first thing that came to me. I'm a straight as parent. I love my educators. You know, hey, let's let's, um, let's talk. So as a parent, I have seen how educators treat, so I'm coming from parent educators, but how educators treat black women. And I also know that educators, for whatever reason, and I know we can have a whole, we can have an entire another podcast on this. They're so scared of the black mama that it, it it's alarming like it is <laughs> it is i mean they're like oh my god i i'm getting ready to get personal i don't mind being transparent i'll just i'll share it my mom passed away so of course i took time off i received a text of saying about a situation with the kids that i know that admin now admin is the principal of the leadership level did not feel comfortable dealing with the parent and wanted me to come in and be the the <laughs> and have the meeting with the parent. I did not teach the kids. Didn't did not teach the kids. And it created such a um I don't know, I remember something I was numb anyway. I was numb, you know, everybody deals with life and I was dealing with life and I remember coming back and I was like, Well what do you need me for? Well I don't know what I could do in this meeting. Well we know how, you know, like how you you do so well, you know how that goes. You do so well relating to the parents. I was like, well, that, that has nothing to do with me. Um, I don't know what you want me to do or what you want me to say. I don't know anything about the situation. Um, and, I, and I don't know that I handled it in the best way, but it, it, it brings back, you know, just it helps me understand the reason why that question or the reason why that issue is, is, is brought up. And, and educate. Okay. <laughs> this is deep. We're getting ready to go deep. We're going to dive in. Um, so how in society our black males are being labeled and looked at and treated, and not just our black males, because look at our black females have been treated just as badly um, with law enforcement. I said this in a in a PD one time, and I actually I was proud of myself for saying it, but after I was like, I might have went too far. I don't know if I'll get invited back. <laughs> for um, I was doing a teacher development seminar. And I said, teachers, we have to make sure that we're not acting like the police out here and, and using our power to attack people that we're scared of. And so you use suspension and putting them in ISS and, and treating them a certain way because that's your power where the police officer uses his gun and arrest them. And I was like, well, I might have took it too far. I might have been too hard. But that's, that's really what I feel like. Um, and, and I think it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is what's happening. So imagine if you're going up to the school and you're like, you know, come up here for my child. You know, for whatever reason, you know, people look at black females for being so passionate, because that's the word I'm going to use, um, so passionate and so, you know, just direct, I guess. And they put all of us in this, in this pool um, of how we respond and we react. 
Now, I'm not going to tell anybody to change and who you are or what, or what you do um, and how you go about being that advocate for your child. But that may be one of the things that you are dealing with when you go up to the schools and why so many Black moms back away. Because if they're not feeling welcome, if they feel like they're being attacked or they feel like they're being judged or they feel like they're being talked down to and they don't want to come across as being passionate, <laughs> they say, well, I just, you're going to be fine. Just go up in that classroom, you close your mouth and you do your work and get out. You know what I mean? And so it's like they back away. And, I, and I, I've seen that happen too. So that, I think that's what happened. I really think that's really what, what is going on. Um, and then when you go in there, you don't see people that look like you or just under, because they don't have to look like you to understand you, but they're not trying to understand where you're coming from or they come already with their, their judgment and they're not even there to, to listen to what you even have to share. Um, and that's that piece where we go back to the educators and some that probably need to find another field. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know it's sad. <laughs> Yes, it is sad. And I think, you know what, thinking back earlier, I think we did touch on this because um, we were talking about the lack of knowledge and how, you know, black moms tend to feel like they don't know, so they don't show up type of thing until like something is actually happening. So they're not being involved in the classroom for those like various reasons. So I think, you know, we did touch on that. But definitely... Uh, what you said about them being afraid of us and thinking like, oh, you know, they're intimidated. And then we, we yeah. on the out, on the other side, you know, are, don't feel supported because of the color right. of our skin. So it's, it's a lot of things uh, that contribute to that. But I just wonder, like, as a whole community, you know, like, is that really a thing? Like, are the statistics really, you know, what's happening and I guess it is because of these various issues and it's just so sad um and unfortunate that it has to be this way but I guess together we can change that um by having yeah I like this yeah you're absolutely right like we are we're gonna have to keep supporting each other these conversations definitely need to be had and I know for me like as I'm talking to you guys and, and and all the moms without their listening you are your child's number one advocate there's it's not a roadmap to what that looks like your child is different from any any other child that's out there whatever you need to do to create that successful learning experience for your child you have to do it it's 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 your charge and the reason why i feel like some of us are backing up you said it it was so good you don't feel we don't feel supported we don't feel supported and I said, like I said, it could get deeper and deeper. <laughs> we could talk about a whole bunch of different things and what's happening in society. But in the educational field, when we go in, and I think that's what happens when we get to middle school and high school as well. And for whatever reason of how society looks at us as parents, um, it is frowned upon. And I think sometimes parents even begin to sort of question themselves. But if somebody was to mistreat their child, they're there. You know what I mean? Like if something if something bad was to happen, I hate to say that, um, or to even bring our minds to think about it. You know, those moms are there. You know, we're the ones that's rallying and 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 we're there. But at the same time, it, I hate that it has to be something bad that happens before we we stand up and say, no matter what, you know, I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be here for my baby. Um, because we have to do it even when the things are going good, and we say, hey, I just need to check up what's going on. 
tell me what's going on. And, um, you know, of course, be patient with the responses. I don't know the, the requirements for different districts, but usually they say within 24 to 48 hours. And, of course, on the weekends, wait till the Monday um, before you get a response back, depending on the, the nature of the teacher. Because some teachers, you know, they just use apps and they give you, they'll give you their phone number. You can text them and things like that. It just depends on the level of comfort that teachers have. But yeah, we have to keep supporting each other and telling all of, you know, all of, you know, the parents that we know and the moms out there, you know, get, get out there, get in the schools, get in the schools, visible and vocal. Yes, visible yes, vocal. I'm going to remember that, visible and vocal, that's so good. Mm-hmm. So um, mm. finally, the last question I have is that, do you think a single parent really has an effect on the child's education versus the child growing up if they had like a two-parent home like do you think that I don't know because studies show that there is some decline in like grades or um test scores because of Mm -hmm. the absent parent or the lack of being in a two-parent home and so I think I could look at it like two different ways like sometimes I Mm -hmm. think like you know there are some benefits to having a two-parent home but you know, then you could have two parents who don't really, you know, value education. And so um, Mm -hmm. I've actually witnessed that with the family member where, you know, he was married to someone and they didn't ever really go up to the school unless something bad was happening or the kid was struggling in some area or had bad grades or something like that. Whereas, you know, like working together as like partners in addition to being partners with the teacher, like they weren't really, you know, taking, I guess, advantage of the time I guess that they have because it's like two of you and you should like I I feel like both of them should have been involved versus like okay now both of you want to go up to the school because you know the son is not doing what he needs to do or you have two parent home where one of the parents works away you know and so they can't really be present and then you have the single parent who doesn't really have anybody or you could have the single parent that is co-parents and so I think there are a lot of factors but you know when you look at these studies and these uh, research articles they show that um (laughs) you know growing up in a single parent home really has a a tremendous effect on the kids so what are your thoughts about Mm -hmm. that being that you have been in the education system and you've been able to kind of you know um actually identify okay well this kid only has this parent or is that something that you know you guys do do you find out that the kid only has one parent or do you not really like you know worry about that how does that work so In that, and, and I, I think we definitely need to be clear on the fact that one in four children come from a single parent home. So when you go through a classroom and you say one, two, three, four, one of those kids are coming from a single parent home. And so with us understanding that not a lot of educators are even aware of that, depending on where in the communities that you're living in and, and you know, the schools and different things that's going on, it may be a common thing that's a part of the discussion or it may not even be discussed at all. It may just be a, an assumption that everybody just assumes. Um, but I will tell you that I have been in conversations that educated, and, and so it can be negative or it could be positive, where educators are like, well, what's their home life like? Um, because it does play a role in a lot of different things and how children respond and react. And that, that goes back to us as parents and how we are raising our children to make sure that they're responders 
and not reactors out of their emotions. If we teach our children how to be led to respond out of wisdom or out of the guidance of what we're teaching them at home versus reacting out of their emotions and what they feel at that moment, we don't really have, you don't really have to have that conversation in the sense of saying, well, um, you think they're acting that way because, you know, your family, because, you know, we're, we're trying to, not all educators are out there, no, they're not out there to get your child, you know what I mean? They're trying to find a solution to make sure that they're having, well, we're hoping, trying to find a solution to make sure that they're having the best learning experience as well. As shared earlier, the goal is that all students are success, successful academically. No educator wants a parent to come up to them every day saying, well, what you doing? What's going on? What's happening? They're trying to find those solutions before that even happens. And so does it affect a child coming from a single parent home? It can. We all know that. The lack of a child not having a father in the home, the lack of a child not having a mother in the home, of course, those boys that come from having not having those major components and those major things that come from having those children home does affect the child. But as a parent, the first thing is addressing it and talking about it and looking at the root of what, ha you know, what is going on with that missing link, you know. And so having those very, I mean, as early as it, it happens, you know, well, you know, how do you feel about that? What's going on? And paying attention to how your child is, actually, how it's affecting your child when they're, when they're going through this. Because it may not come out, you know, six months, a year, two years. It may come out in the 10 years. It may come out, you know, when they're an adult, you know, that, you know, my dad wasn't in the home. So it may not come out while they're in elementary school, but you may start to see things in middle school. And you're like, well, why did this child change all of a sudden? Like, it was a sweetest little baby and then blah, blah, But they're missing that component. And that's why we have to make sure whether the parents are in the house or not, Remember the resources and the bridges and the advocates and the programs that's out there with, and family that's, that we have that we can say, you know, um, dad's not in the home, but I'm going to, you know, I, I used to, I'm sorry, I'm country, but I'm going to make sure that um, I create this, this opportunity for my child so they're not missing um, the area. And I am an advocate. I believe in the power of prayer. As I share with you, and I hope to say this prayer about the educational needs of your child as we close out today. So um, hopefully you give me the opportunity to do that. Um, but I believe in the power yeah. of prayer. And, and, and when, if there is a need and I see that there's a lacking in the area, of course, I'm praying over my child, but I'm also creating the steps to make sure that my child is around whatever it is that needs to be filled in my child, they're around that to be filled. And so if it is a male figure, it, if, if it is the exposure of, you know, um, the motherly love, you, where's, you know, where's grandma, where's some resources, where's some sisterhood or some girl empowerment groups, um, whatever it is that may affect them educationally, we have to create those opportunities for our child. Because again, it goes back to you being the number one advocate for your child. You've been aware of what's happening with your child, asking the questions and making yourself accountable before you can make your child accountable. Yes, that is good. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it probably went like over time, but I really do appreciate you taking out the time to chat with me about this. I definitely think it is necessary. And my hope is that a lot of the moms that are listening really take this information and really become 
um, advocates for their children. Yes. Do you have yes, any other husband. words that you would like to share? I do. I um, as I, I shared in in my book, the single parent guide, um, which is for males and females, um, dads and moms. Uh, I also have the teen edition. Um, at the end of each chapter, I have a confession that I encourage the parents to say, and I have a prayer that I encourage the parents to pray over their children. And so I have one for educational needs because, again, I talked about all the needs of a child, which are um, the four needs that I've, I've discussed in, in the book is the mental and emotional needs, the educational needs, the health fitness needs, the financial needs, and then, of course, the spiritual needs. And so I'm an advocate of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. And I just wanted to end with the confession for, for moms to be able to say this, you know, play it back, repeat it, come back to this podcast. And, you know, if you haven't that, 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 you know, that sense of, you know, I'm really not sure what the next step is. Say this, say it every day, write it down, copy it down, put it on a sticky note, put it on your laptop, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, whatever you need until you build that confidence, that awareness, that, that, that bridge to make sure that you are creating the best learning experience for your child. So, um, the confession is, I am an educational advocate for my child. I will prepare and be a part of developing my child for a successful future. And I just encourage you to say that even when you don't know what the next step is, even if you are just feeling discouraged and you're like, I've tried everything that I know, give it over, you know, give it over to God and, and find those advocates and find those um, components that can help you create that successful future for your child. And in the prayer, it says, Father, today I ask for wisdom on how to teach my child how to become a better learner. Give me the words and strategies to use in meeting the educational needs of my child. Cover my child's mind. Bring everything back to remembrance as they enter into the classroom. Open their life gates so they may receive new information to help them become a better learner. In Jesus' name, amen. And so it's just simple prayers that's added to the end of each chapter in the book. But this, this prayer in particular, um, just, you know, go back to it. Bring it back to your remembrance. You know, say this out loud. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over your children, you know, and, 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 and what you desire and what you see. And believe it. You know, we don't have a roadmap. Everybody's journey in being a parent is totally different. But these platforms, what Kim has right here, this podcast, and these different avenues and resources that we have available to um, all of us, you can use them. It's for you. And, you know, the more you know, the better you can be to support your child. And I just thank you for the opportunity. I'm so excited about the future. I see life and blessings upon you in every area of your life. And I, I'm so excited to see what's about to happen with the single um, Black motherhood. Thank you so much. I really appreciate You're it. Welcome. Let us know where we can support and purchase your book and then also find you on social media and connect with you. So, yes, my name is Yvette, E-V-E-T-T-E, Rawls, R-A-W-L-S, on all social media platforms. And, of course, link in the bio um, to send you right to um, all of the books that I have available. And um, particularly the Single Parents Guide is available um, just by clicking the link in the bio, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and all those other social media platforms out there. And you can um, and get that book. And Kim, I would love for you, you actually have a book in the mail. It should probably get there to you today. 
Um, but you have a book in the mail that's coming. And I would love for you to, if you have a parent or mom that you've been in contact with, that you've been talking to, if you send me her information, I'll mail her a copy. Oh, sweet. You are the sweetest. Thank you so much. I'll be on the lookout for that. And I'll also um, link all of your information in the show notes. That way everybody can find you um, so that they don't have to worry about like, oh, what was her name again? So yeah, I'll put all of your information in the show notes and they can be directed right to you. Yes, and I also post and share so everybody can come to your page and listen to your podcast and read your first blog of the year. So excited about everything you have going on and I'm looking forward to working with you again. Yes, yes. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you were taking notes so that you can begin to get involved in your child's education if you have not already. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on SoundCloud, if you're listening on SoundCloud, you can simply leave a comment. And as always, feel free to comment over on Instagram or shoot me a DM and let me know what you thought about the episode. We always like to hear from you, okay? You can connect with me over on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. Facebook, Single Black Motherhood, and you can check out the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. There are a lot of things going on over there. And so I advise you to take a visit and click on resources and see what's happening. The next episode will be the anniversary episode. So make sure that you are subscribed so that you receive your notification. Until next week, talk to you guys later. Bye.